the one thing that we have that nobody else has is our voice. Our voices are powerful tools, whether we use it to sing, speak, or influence others. But not many of us are physically gifted to make our voices sound like the angels and evoke feelings. For today's episode, I invited Peter Rockcliffe. He's a singer, but he's not a common one. Pitt is a sopranist. His voice is amongst the highest you could ever listen to. He will share with us his experiences along his journey as a sopranist while we relish his voice and music. If you like symphonic metal, then you must listen to Pete Rockcliffe. Hello, Pete. How have you been, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all, actually. Thank you so much for having the time for this interview. No problem at all. You're welcome. Pete, what is a sopranist? What are the categories that classify singers? male and female because you fall into the sopranist category don't you yes yeah so a sopranist is um a type of countertenor so it's a, it's a male voice that sings um mainly in the falsetto or the head voice um which is kind of like the, the female quality of the voice um up, up on the top uh, the, the, if you're going to get technical, it's the thin folds <laughs> um, reacting together, um, which creates that lighter sound, the higher sound. Um, but the difference between a countertenor and a sopranist is um, the tonal quality. So a sopranist will sound more like a female voice than a countertenor. So a countertenor, you can usually tell um, it's a man singing high, whereas a sopranist can sometimes, if you're not looking, sound like a female. Um, and it emulates kind of a mezzo-soprano or a soprano voice. Uh, so that's the difference between the two, really. But their category is just the same as soprano, mezzo, contralto, um, tenor, bass, baritone. They're the same sorts of things. They're just not as widely known because there isn't that many of us um, in kind of everyday music. So sopranists are not common? Uh, not really, no. Sopranists are probably the rare of all the different voice type because there's not really a true sopranist. Like a countertenor can sometimes make and emulate um, a tonal quality of a soprano or a mezzo, um, but it, that's an emulation through resonance and placement rather than actually having that voice type initially. So yeah, they don't happen very often. <laughs> Did you choose this type of music or we can say that the music chose you? At what point you realized that you wanted to become a sopranist? What was the trigger? I grew up listening to all of like the kind of the big female voices. Um, so it was either Kate Bush, Whitney Houston, um, Celine Dion, all of those big voices. And I just used to sing along to it. And, you know, at first I thought, okay, my voice probably hasn't broke yet. It's still, uh, you know, a little bit unbroken, should we say, so it hasn't dropped properly. So I just thought I could sing it naturally. You know, that would just be, that would just be it. And then there would be a certain point in my life where I'd have to go and use the male voice. Um, but that never happened. Like it never happened. That transition didn't happen. I was always able to to still fulfill those high notes with the falsetto. Um, and probably 
the low notes as well, which, um, it, you know, was really strange. So, yeah, it was mainly just emulating those singers' voices that kind of just fell into that pattern. Uh, but you just hit the nail on the head. You said, that did the music choose me? And yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, pretty much, you know, I, I, could, I didn't really have much sway on it. Um, if I was to ever sing in my chest voice, which is like my male register, it's just not as good. So, you know, naturally, we all have things that we're better at, and I'm just better up there. So I think I was kind of chosen for it, <laughs> rather than the other way around. Can you forgive me for trying again? Your silence makes me old in my grave. Oh, time's passed you by. Oh, for so long I've tried to shield you from the world. Oh, you couldn't face the freedom on your own. And here I am, left in... Did you study to become a sopranist? Yeah, I did. I studied classical music. Um, so I was in training when I was younger for musical theatre. So it was more, um, you know, acting and singing based. And then when I turned, I don't know, around about 26, 25, 26, I did classical music studies as well. So that was more um, based on like um, bel canto, a still technique, things that um, could really round my voice off in a classical way, which I really enjoyed and I still do to this day because I think it's uh, probably the most cohesive uh, teaching that you can have. Um, it, you know, it really does get um, the whole of the voice working and I think that's really really good for me however I chose not to go down a classical route because I felt it was a little bit more restrictive in terms of what I could offer as a vocalist um, so although I still like singing that sort of things from time to time I think I would probably lean away from the industry um, the classical industry as such because it just it does get a little bit stuffy and um, there are certain things you can and you can't do and you, know, you have to sing it like this and that but I definitely still carry on with my teachings without a doubt how long have you been singing professionally? Oh, God, that's a really good question. Do you know what? I never look at myself like I am a professional singer. Uh, but So you've just highlighted something there for me, which is quite interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I suppose four years professionally. Um, however, singing itself, I've been doing for a long, long time. Um, it, it took me a while to get confident enough to actually put myself out there and then when I did like it was just kind of a, a snowball effect um, it, it everything started coming through and you know I was really enjoying that kind of lifestyle you know I must have been about five or five or six years ago that I started putting myself out there and then four four years ago really I started getting gigs and stuff um, and you know guesting on different tracks and then obviously my band and solo projects and things like that as well so yeah it's been a really long journey for me um, a really long journey but I'm at the point now where I think I can never look back like it's always about moving forward <laughs> so, but these four years is with your band Crown Solis so Crown Solis um, I've actually only been with for a year um, so we we joined together uh, probably yeah, it was about 12, 12, 14 months ago now. We released our first single together in uh, January, February time. Uh, we've got a lot more coming up as well, but I've only been with them for about a year. Before then, it was just guest projects and a few solo things that I, I put out there. Um, so this is a kind of a game changer for me joining a band because it's continual release. Um, there's a structure, there's like, you know, there's, there's things that we want to be able to do, like EPs, CDs, record live gigs and things like that. So for me, it's like a bit more of a focus. There's like a road that I can travel down. 
whereas before it was just bits and bobs that were kind of cropping into my my, my uh, you know day to day and my and my work and things like that. If you're looking at things very professionally, it was probably about a year ago with the band. However, before then, there was definitely things going on and I was definitely moving in that circle to kind of get where I need to get to. What do you feel when you sing? What is singing to you? Oh God, singing for me is an extension of my soul without a shadow of a doubt. Um, every morning when I wake up, the first thing I think about is singing. Um, the first thing I think about is singing something that reflects how I'm feeling at that time. You know, if I've, if I've woken up and I feel really positive and energised and something fast, something R&B is going on in the car, like, and I'm, I'm going to love and enjoy it. If I feel like I need to get some anger out, then it's a big belty power ballad or like a metal song or something like that. Um, so it, it totally is an extension of me and my personality and, and how I feel on the day. And I think because I have so many different facets to me my music choice and my, my genre uh, my the love of each genre is so vast that like i could projection we can day. say yeah without a doubt without a shadow of a doubt you know i think for, for most singers it is like that i don't know whether i'm speaking out of tone because i don't play an instrument but for most like vocalists it's so personal deeply personal singing because it's extension of your soul um you know it's another part of you that you're putting out there to be judged or you know you're just doing in your kitchen to display a particular emotion and it really is like you know your third fourth fifth limb <laughs> you know another arm or another leg so yeah that, that's what it means to me without doubt How would you describe the arts you typically create? What do you express or what do you want to express with your music? Yeah, good question. That's a really nice question, actually. Um, I like to express things, if it's my music that I've created myself or my lyrics that I've written myself, then I like to express things that actually mean something to me, things that have happened in my life, um, things that I can relate to directly so that there's an element of emotion within those words. Because I feel like, although I can connect with other people's lyrics, great, that's fantastic, I can do that. To actually have the opportunity to present something that has weight to my life and to the things that have happened to me is second to none. And I enjoy that so much. I enjoy having that freedom to write and to express. So when I create something, that's the first thing I look at. What does it mean to me? You know, does it reflect part of my existence so far? And if it is yes, then we start building up around that. And oftentimes it ends up being dramatic and big and loud and, you know, full of emotion and, and weight. And I think that that's because um, those are the key parts of my life that I want to get out and that I want to push out. 
you know, I don't really want to talk about the happy things. Um, and I know that sounds really morbid. I don't, you know, that, that's personal to me. That's the things that I go through. I want to talk about the things that people can relate to, that people can really gel with, people that can understand on a deeper level. Um, so it tends to be quite dark, it tends to be a bit more melodramatic and a bit more um, boombastic, shall we say. Uh, but nonetheless, I wouldn't change it. <laughs> As an artist, where do you find inspiration? How do you kindle the flame to burn it all? Or it's like a click, I got it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the click, it's the click. It's, you know, when, for, for me, I don't write my own music. So someone would send me a track or like, you know, the band Val would send me over a track and um, he would say, right, this is the next track on the album. You need to write some lyrics for it. So I sit with it and like you just said, there's a click that goes off and it's like, okay, this, music resonates with this part of me um so i end up just writing about that you know i end up thinking uh okay what does this music say to me what sort of things and images are being conjured in my mind that i can relate to and then lo and behold the words go down the emotion comes out and the song's written um but there are things that I want to write about as well. So there'll be like a conscious decision to write about certain things um, because we're all here to tell a story um, and there are some stories I really want to tell. So yeah, for me, it's a mixture of both, but mainly it's that click because once you hear it, you can't get away from anything else. You know, if you've got in your mind that you want to write about loss, but when you hear that song, all you hear is something else, then you're going to go with something else because that's what's calling you to do it. So it's a kind of a mixture of both in a really good way. What is your best work till date? The one that you can say, this is my masterpiece. So I personally with the band don't think that we've released our best work yet. I think that that's still to come. We've got four or five songs that have been written that are ready to be released. I think our best work so far is within that catalogue that we haven't released yet. Um, but for the stuff that's been released, I'd probably say for me vocally, it was Urania Fantasia, the Arcane Muse, um, because that was huge um, in terms of what I expressed um, just without words like I just wanted to get that out I wanted to get that big voice out I wanted to prove that I could kind of nail it um, so that for me was just incredibly moving that actually we got such a positive response from that um, and how it was If we're talking what means the most to me, it would be my first single, Locked Away. Um, that, that probably for me is, is the most um, monumental piece of work that I've done because it represented so many different things. It represented parts of my life, represented a milestone in releasing something um, that was really important to me.
Some people say that once you are born with an ability or certain advantages, life becomes easier. Are sopranists born or made? Born would be my honest opinion. Um, and the reason, I think everyone can learn how to sing. Everyone can learn how to sing. Um, some things are hard to learn, like pitch and intonation. But with a sopranist, not everyone can sing in that way. So I think you have to be biologically engineered to have that, um, which I think is really important. So, you know, same as a soprano or a mezzo-soprano or an alto, biologically, you cannot hit those low or high notes if you're a mezzo. You're just right in the middle of your range, and that can often depend on how tall you are, how long your larynx is, how um, much testosterone and estrogen you have in your body like lots of different things can affect the range of a voice and because a sopranist is a particular range biologically then they would be engineered So it's like being physically gifted. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, I mean, everyone can use their falsetto. Um, every male has the opportunity. Yeah, but you would be that. forcing your voice. Exactly that. Yeah, and so then it would like, damage in the, in, in, the, in the long run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, you might want to go up there for one or two notes in a song and just play around with it a little bit, but to sing continuously up there for mm. a constant time and, like, you know, do the breadth of a song in that whole range, there has to be something biologically that allows you to do that, um, which is kind of where I stand with it. I could be corrected, so you might find some uh, vocal like guru come along and say, no, he's wrong, but I, I stand by it. I stand by my, uh, my uh, answer on that one. Pete, how is your daily training? I reckon you must practice every single day. You wake up and drink some water, whiskey. So I'm really bad with water, really bad. With water. I'd rather whiskey. If we could have whiskey, that'd be brilliant. But <laughs> I am, um, I, I, I'm really bad with water, um, which 
my my vocal coaches would say to me, oh, you must drink more, you must hydrate more. Like, and I'm, I'm so bad. So I, I know I need to drink more water, which is probably on my regime um, to do. However, it's not something I do do at the moment. For me, um, I don't warm up enough. I don't warm up daily. But I think you reach that point in your understanding of your own voice about what you need to function. So for me, if I'm doing a long recording session or if I'm, um, you know, about to do a huge practice, I will absolutely warm up because I think it's important to be able to stretch the voice and, and you know, make sure that all the folds are nice and ready to be, you know, abused to a degree because we're going to sing really, really loud. However, daily, I don't really do anything that could constitute as a regime unless I've got a plan in action to sing. And that's because I think that life is so full of regimes and structure and control as it is already. And sometimes we just have to be really organic and fluid. And if I start to sing and I think that's not for me today, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to just go ahead and just force my voice to do something that actually it's not ready for today or it doesn't feel like doing. So I'm really a true believer of if, it, if it's going to come to you, it's going to come very naturally. However, to improve, you do need to work hard. So I do invest time on improving, but I wouldn't say that that's part of a regime. That's just when I know that I need to get better at something, uh, which is all the time. You know, we've all got stuff to work on, um, but I'll choose and I'll, and I'll tailor those times to work out, shall we say, um, when I feel like I, I need to. have uh, something we are passionate about mm -hmm. but most of the of the times we procrastinate maybe because of fear of failure or because we consider other things to be more important how do you overcome procrastination how do you focus yourself really good question so part of the other thing that i do as well as singing and, and, and music is um i'm a therapist and uh, i work with energy and people and mindset and things like that so for me procrastination is often a byproduct of something else um you know imposter syndrome like you just said there or maybe fatigue or something that's holding you back that's you know you're afraid of failure so my first thing would be to identify why I'm procrastinating. What is the reason for it? Why am I holding off doing that? And sometimes that involves us being really intrinsic and going within ourselves and asking these questions that maybe we wouldn't normally ask on a daily basis. And once I've worked that out, then it's about breaking it down and, and you know, understanding, okay, right, well, if it's imposter syndrome, why do you feel like that? You know, why, why do you feel like you can't achieve? What is it that's put you back? Who's put you back? How are we gonna get over it? So I think it's about working backwards for me. And procrastination, uh, you know, we all say, oh, we procrastinate, we procrastinate, procrastinate. It's not something to be shrugged at. There's usually, more often than not, unless there's some neurodivergence involved, 
it's usually based on something that's happened to us or you know a, a, an other reason uh, for us one, not wanting to complete the job at hand so yeah it's all for me working backwards and and finding that inspiration but never forcing it never like saying you know you must push yourself forward you must do it you must deliver substandard work um if you're you know you know if you're just rushing to get something out and you know that for me is, is not good um so i think really understanding why um and then overcoming that on an individual basis is the most important thing for procrastination if i recall correctly your last release was in february this year horizons when yeah. will you release your next one or there will oh. be a pause while promoting horizons so horizons was released in february um with the band was released so well um and, and you know we got such a good response from it that we were like oh God, like we, we have to we have to release something and you know life goes on and life happens and and we and we also really toyed with the idea of not putting something out that wasn't as good and there was kind of lots of to and fro with the band um but we decided upon releasing something um very very soon so uh, i can't give you the exact date however it's less than a month away <laughs> oh really uh, so, yeah so that's the scoop um you know that you're kind of the first Isn't person Uh, yeah, it's going to be October. I don't know, you know, hopefully the band uh, won't won't kill me for saying this, but it's going to be a really pivotal release because it's going to symbolize something else. Um, so I'm not going to say too much because I have a habit of doing that. But yeah, this October, uh, something's coming. So be, be prepared, look out for it. <laughs> How often do you offer concerts? When was your last presentation and when will you have your next one? You know, we've never done a concert. Um, so that's something that we're looking to do for the next year because we've only got one track out together. Um, as oh, the, the band released a couple of tracks before, before I joined, but we haven't got enough material to go and do at all. So one of the things that we're working on is getting enough material to be able to go and do some live shows and a tour and things like that, which um, will be, be next year. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe 2023, the end of 2023, festival season, if anybody wants to book us, um, you know, that would be great. But yeah, we're, we're working on it. Um, it is something that we have on on the go, you know, on the mindset. So it will happen. Just uh, It just has to, has to happen at the right time. You know, I used to play in a metal band and on stage in front of hundreds or thousands of people, it was quite frightening. How do you handle stage fright? Have you experienced it? I have horrific stage fright, um, like really, really, really bad. To the point where I've been invited to do some some concerts, uh, some sort of um, collaborative concerts with myself and a group of other people. And I, I just can't do it. Uh, being really, really honest, I can't do it. I find it very, very difficult. Um, however, I know with the band, I am going to have to do it. And I think that that's the difference with me is that I don't do anything that I don't have to do uh, if I don't want to do it. And because I have a get out of jail card with these concerts, I just don't do it. Um, so I haven't actually, I have done, I have done two shows last year. Um, I managed to get through them. I didn't enjoy it. Um, I found it really difficult, but I was on my own. You know, I never had a band around me. It was just me as a solo, soloist. And I think that 
being that exposed and that vulnerable in that situation when I already am really afraid of it, it kind of, it was, it didn't allow me to, to enjoy the moment. So I'm hoping that when we have enough material, when we're in a position where actually people want to come and watch us, that will help my stage fright. However, ask me again in 12 months time (laughs) and I'll give you an answer because it's something that I really do have to work on and get over and I find very difficult. If you could open a concert for another artist or another band, who would it be? Oh, good question. Um, the band that pops to my head would be Epica, funnily enough. Um, Simone Simmons, if I'm... Yeah, yeah. Simone Simmons, yeah. Mark Janssen. Um, that, it would be Epica. It would be maybe Nightwish, would be good to open for, uh, Within Temptation. You know, all of those kind of bands, those symphonic bands, because I think it makes it easier when you categorise yourself with other bands that have a similar g- genre, because, you know, then you've got um, you've got the opportunity to meet new people that might like your music. So, yeah, for me, those three big giants would be, would be great. However, there are some really good smaller bands around that, you know, I'd love to go on tour with. Um, my, my friend Stephanie is part of um, a band called Nergard and uh, my friend Archie as well in the UK he, he's got um, his own album out that he's released and you know us three have always said that we would love to do something together you know we're not overly well known but we could definitely commandeer a tour and we could definitely do something so you know I think it depends really on the circumstances but if you ask me for one person I think right now it would be Epica definitely Along your journey I reckon you must have faced unusual situations so do you have any funny anecdote to share with us? Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I think um, for me, I haven't got any. Oh, yes, I do have a really funny anecdote. Actually, that's just come to me. So when I was um, when I was younger, probably about seven or eight, maybe more than that, ten years ago, perhaps, um, I was practicing a lot. And at the time, I was practicing a lot of heavy metal uh, with operatic vocals. That was my kind of transition period into that genre. So Nightwish was on all the time with Taria, and. As you know, you know, an opera voice can be quite loud. And I was in a street um, that perhaps um, didn't appreciate <laughs> that kind of music. And my, my neighbours actually banded together to get me a letter for noise pollution because I was singing too loud. And they were actually threatening to fine me £10,000 if I continued to sing at the rate that I was singing. <laughs> Which looking back on it now, it's hilarious. And, you know, I, I kind of, I, it really hurt me. Like, you know, I think if we're looking at trauma and things like that, there was, there's certainly some trauma around that uh, in itself. But after that, you know, she went to a radio station, a local radio station and complained about me. Um, and she put me on there and said I was the neighbour from hell, that I was continuously singing. And years and years went by and I held on to this for such a long time. And she reached out to to my mum actually when I moved away and she went oh I've, I've heard Pete's stuff online he's actually a fantastic singer and I'm really sorry for what I you know I put him through when he was younger like I, I just couldn't hear him properly through the windows and you know I, and she come up with all these rubbish excuses that kind of you know uh didn't really mean anything to me but yeah that was quite a funny situation I can look back on it now and think oh god who else can say that they nearly got a ten thousand pound fine for singing too loud <laughs> oh my god that was a funny one now what do you want to achieve what is the final destination? Something that you can say, oh my God, I did it. Oh God. For me, right now, 
I want to be able to, for myself, I want to be able to go on to a tour, play a festival, do something like that in front of a group of people and actually feel the warmth radiating from the audience. And that for me would be like, yeah, okay, I've done this. I managed to do what I need to do. I set myself little goals every time I want to achieve something. My first goal was that in, in music was that I wanted to release a single and I managed to do that on my own with the help of um, some some brilliant friends that kind of you know created with me um, and then it was I wanted to join a heavy metal band and I did that so my next is that I want to I want to do that live show I want to play that live to that live audience um, and that's probably my biggest overcome biggest thing to overcome as of yet however I'm no I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it I'm positively thinking and, and it's gonna happen so yeah if anybody knows any headlining slots at Vakken <laughs> And let me know because maybe you know that that could be the next goal it's all about it's all about taking those mini steps forward for me um and that certainly is the next one i want to know about pete rockliffe the person the human have you grown because of your career massively not just because of my my career i think that's been a byproduct of the people that i've surrounded myself with um i went through a really troubled time in my 20s um i have grown well, I'm, only, I'm 31 now, so 20, 10 years ago, 21 to 25 were, were, were really, really hard. Music didn't play a part in my life at all. Um, and I think losing that music uh, from my life meant that I gained lots of other really bad traits. And I think that the people around me um, that are around me now rescued me from that particular part of my life as well as music. Um, so I have so much to thank for both of those things. And I have grown and I am um, a different person. I still have growing to do. I still have massive amounts of growing to do. I think everyone does. And I'm no fool to think that I'm, you know, without doubt, uh, without uh, without issue and without, you know, things that I need to fix. But I think that I'm in a really great place in, in myself um, and I am ready to kind of take on all of those things that life has to throw over me and also enjoy life, you know, without inhibition. I think that, you know, we can all get wrapped up on in growth and where we want to be and who we want to be. But actually, sometimes we just need to sit back and enjoy things um, and just allow life to take its course a little bit rather than having ultimate control all the time. Now, about your personality, how would you describe yourself? Any obsessions, peculiarities or just a normal bloke? Yeah, no, I think I have got some really weird traits that, <laughs> that I have. Um, I don't like change. I, I hate change. So if something, if I've got my mindset on something and then it alters last minute, that can really throw me off, um, which is strange because in my work life, it's all about change. But in my personal life, it, it's, it's hard. Um, I don't like repetitive loud noises, which is weird. Um, you know, I think I've probably got some form of like ADHD, which I understand. <laughs> because I can never focus properly um, either, which I, you know, unless I really want to achieve, I find it really hard to focus. So I do have these really weird quirks and I can be quite uh, a interesting person to like live with or to be around. But I think most of the time um, I like to bring fun to people's lives. I like to like make people laugh all the time. Um, I like to kind of learn stuff as well from other people, like, you know, different subjects that they might like. I love reading. So like I'm often reading quite a lot um, and learning things uh, from, from that. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a, a, a kind of normal, normal guy. I do have some weird traits that, that, that come out now and then. <laughs> what can you say is your biggest weakness, biggest strength and your biggest fear? Oh, okay. So my biggest fear is being ridiculed. I, I, I find that really hard. I find, especially when it comes to music, because like I said to you before, my, my voice is an extension of my soul and someone like, you know, 
challenging that or saying that you know that it, it all taking the mick out of it or, or you know finding it funny that for me is really hurtful because actually that's a part of me that i love and that i enjoy i, I understand people might not like it that's fine we all have personal opinions but when it comes to the personal side of it it, it becomes difficult to manage so I, that that for me is a big fear and I think that that definitely translates into the fear of performing live because oftentimes when people are drunk and alcohol are involved, they might, you know, say things that perhaps aren't very nice. And then, you know, you're left feeling really deflated after a, what should be a, a great live show. Uh, so that, that worries me a little bit. Uh, my biggest strength would probably be my, my kindness and my ability to understand from other people's points of view. I never really judge anybody for making a decision, even if it affects me, because ultimately they've made that decision for them and they've set their own boundaries. Uh, you know, some people get really pissed if you like cancel on them last minute or if you know you do something that maybe changes the plans but I understand that and I and I get that and I accept that. And my worst trait is that sometimes I don't set my own boundaries enough. So if I find that a conversation's overwhelming me or um, a person's overwhelming me, rather than saying that to them, I'll just ignore them. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll kind of just won't respond um, because I, I find that easier than saying, actually, do you know what? You, you, you're annoying me or you're getting on my nerves. Or, you know, there's been times before in my musical career where things haven't been to standard. And rather than me actually saying what's wrong, I've just turned around and I've been like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, and I've just gone radio silent and it's until I'm pressured to talk about it. I, I you know, I, then, then I come back and I'm like having a conversation. So yeah, I think that's probably my weakest trait that I'm learning to manage uh, is that actually I don't speak my truth enough, which I should. What about your biggest pet peeve? What commonly oh. makes you angry? Personally, my biggest pet peeve is people that are entitled and, and act on an ego. I really struggle with that. I find it really, really hard to keep my mouth shut around people that behave that way. My biggest pet peeve in the music industry is, and this is gonna sound terrible, but people doing things that are substandard and pushing out substandard work because the market is so congested at the moment and they do it for free and they do it like, you know, continuously um, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And it really dilutes the effort that people put in um, when you've got so much going on around you that isn't isn't really where it should be. That, that really annoys me at the minute. Um, and that's me being really honest. I find that, you know, there's so much oh yeah, you know, I'll do that for free. I'll do this for free. I'll do that for free. And then you've got people that actually, you know, are trying to make a living out of this and that their market's been so diluted because substandard work's been produced for free. Uh, it just, yeah, it, it winds me up. Um, <laughs> so there's my two pet peeves. <laughs> um, what would you change about yourself if you could? I would change my confidence in myself. And that's the only thing. I actually like who I am. I really like who I am. I champion myself um, in most parts of my life, but my confidence in my ability to be a musician is something that I would want to increase. Um, and the only person that can do that is me. You know, I don't need anybody feeding my ego. Um, I don't need that. It's, it's, you know, if you like my music, that's great. But the only person that can really change that intrinsic feeling of confidence is myself. If you had the chance to go back in time, would you change anything? something you regret about or the person you are now is the result of your previous experiences i wouldn't change anything i've done because at the time that's what i wanted to do and i always remain true to myself that yeah okay even though they might not have been the right decisions at the time i wanted to do that so i would never change that i don't have regrets the only thing i wish i'd done sooner is i wish i'd started music sooner I was 27, 26 when I put myself out there um, and I missed some good years of my life um, to be able to create. So, you know, less 
time putting stuff out there is less time for creation um, and less time for enjoying life. So that's my probably only thing I would change, but it's not necessarily a regret. It's just an observation. Pete, of all your talents, uh, which one do you consider to be the most useless? Oh God, they all have their own place, own spaces. I would probably say my most useless talent is that I can I can belly dance, <laughs> but I'm never ever ever gonna do that, never uh, to anybody. So that's why that one's useless. So. <laughs> all right. You know, as a professional, who do you think is the mm -hmm. best metal singer? Male. Male, okay. Male, yes. I mean, your top five, top three, not the best. Okay. I think that Dan Tompkins from Tesseract is very, very good. He's very good. I think that Jake E from Chira, Chira, I don't know how you pronounce it. He's really good. I think that Tommy Karavik from Camelot and Seventh Wonder is great. Uh, oh, the guy from Leprous, Lepros, he is incredible. So there's four. One more for good measure, so we'll have five. Tommy Johansson from Sabaton is really good as well. Um, so those are my five, yeah. What about Bruce Dickinson? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I do like Iron Maiden and I do like Bruce. But, but he would, if, if, if it was 15, 20 years ago, then he would be on that list. But if we're talking about right now, for the people that are out there right now, then that would probably be my, that, all those guys are currently probably the best. But if you really look over the span of time, Bruce would be up there. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, Freddie, Merc if Freddie Mercury's not metal, but he's a great vocalist. <laughs> What would you recommend to someone who wants to embark on a singing career? Any advice? Singing career, not necessarily sopranist. I mean, in general. Sure. Practice, 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 and then practice some more. Identify what it is you want to improve um, and work on your voice. And when you've worked on your voice to the point where you know it, then you can start using it to hopefully get you out there and hopefully do things that you, you want to do. Um, that's not to say that you shouldn't, you know, try things whilst you're learning, but because we're all learning, like I said, but, you know, really hone in in your craft. You know, your voice is your, your only voice. Don't do it damaged by doing stupid things, making stupid mistakes, singing things that are outside of your range. Look after it and treasure it. Um, that would be my first thing as a singer, would be to just understand yourself. And then marketing comes into it as well. Unfortunately, we have to market ourselves as individuals. Like the, the industry is so different now. It's not so easy to just put out an absolute banger and then expect to be noticed. Um, people want to connect. People want to be more human. They want to talk to the artist. They want to know the artist. They want to be part of their career um, in a you know in a different way. So know know your market, know your audience, know yourself and build an image of something that you want to be and then put that out there. But until you've done that, don't put anything out. Don't put out stuff that is going to get you into trouble um, <laughs> or that's going to you know, ruin your career or anything like that. Uh, I think that there's an amalgamation of things that you can do that won't look good on you. So just, yeah, take a, take a breath before you do anything, <laughs> especially with social media.
Mate, thank you so much, Pete, for, no for this time. Nice May the metal be with you. All right, yes, mate. and you. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Take yeah, care. Thank you, mate. Bye, mate. See you later. Bye, Bye. Bye. This was today's focus of attention. I hope you liked this episode. Uh, please subscribe for more. Thank you.